This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jo North. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. This show is all about influencing and some tips that will help you get your innovations over the line with the people that can make or break your plans. What you'll get from this show is a process and a toolkit that will support your influencing strategies for your innovation ambitions. So we're going to be talking about things like prioritising stakeholders, innovation collaboration between organisations, how to make your case using some influencing principles and also we'll be discussing trust in business relationships as well. So although the focus is on how to influence external partners, organisations and stakeholders, of course, these tips and techniques and tools do apply if you're aiming to influence internally as well. So they're useful for that, but just to say that the focus is really on external influencing. And all the way through the innovation process, we're influencing all the time. Innovation is about having an idea and bringing that idea to reality. And in order to do that, we need to bring people on board. We might need to get investment. We might need to get team members and other leaders in the business on board with that as well, as well as customers, suppliers and so on. So we're using skills like creativity, communication. We need a bit of courage. We need to be brave and do new things through innovation. We need to be committed and be commercial as well. So bringing all of these skills together creates a really strong need for influencing skills. So therefore, as innovators, if we can enhance and develop our influencing skills, we're going to get many more of our innovations over the line and do a much better job of them as well. This is the thing, innovation ambition needs change makers. So when we're trying to do something that's really new, really positive and move forward, we've got to believe in ourselves and we need to have the skill to take that forward as well. We need to believe in why we're doing that and we need to believe in our vision. Not just that it's a great vision, but also that our vision can be done as well. We've got to believe in our own ability to deliver that innovation, to deliver that vision. And that's a very specific form of self-confidence that we call self-efficacy. And what self-efficacy is, it's the belief and the knowledge that actually, even if we don't know how we're going to do it yet, we know that we'll find a way of making it happen, we'll, we'll find a way of working it through. And of course, innovation is all about doing things that haven't been done this way before. And that's why we need that self-belief, that self-efficacy to move us forward and give us the courage to try new things. And influencing and problem-solving skills are coming into play all the way through the innovation process. Because innovation isn't just about having an idea, it's about taking that idea, working out how to make it commercial and usable and useful, how to communicate that idea, how to get that idea off the ground, operationalize it and actually make it a success. Having the idea is actually, to an extent, it's the easy bit. Making it happen is the challenging bit. So we, we need to influence all the way through. 
and we need to influence all sorts of different people with different backgrounds and different skill bases as well. So getting good at this and being aware of it will really help you. Thinking about what influence is, it's about getting other people on board to do things by showing that that's actually a real and genuine advantage to them in doing the things that you're suggesting. And it's actually also about influencing comes into play where you're affecting somebody else's belief or decisions or actions, and you're doing that through discussion. And the one thing I would say is that this is a win-win. So we're not looking for you know mind tricks or manipulation or anything like that. That isn't what this is about. It's about working with people in an ethical, high-integrity way, generating trust, behaving in a trustworthy way, so that everybody gets a better outcome as a result. Have a think about your challenge and opportunity as I'm going through these tips that I'm about to share with you. Think about what are your innovation ambitions for this year? Who do you want to influence and why? And what are your influencing challenges and opportunities? Because then if you can think about those and think about how these might help you as I'm going through it. Now, influencing is a really complex area. It's a complex skill to have and it's a skill that can be learned so we can all get better at influencing. And there are multiple dimensions to influencing. And I've created something that I call the influencing mix for innovation. It starts with having really good clarity, goal and people clarity. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. It's about having a case for change. And that's a commercial case for change, as well as a really compelling purpose-led case for change as well that engages people's hearts and minds. It's about having the emotional intelligence to steer through the whole innovation process from end to end, especially and including when times get tough or challenging or you need to convince people of something that they're not quite seeing yet. There are things like the universal principles of influencing that you can use to really level up your influencing skills how to build trust and how to work out when a relationship isn't really built on trust and more importantly, what you can do about that to move it forward and then using different influencing styles and preference tools. So putting all of these areas together creates a really high impact, positive influencing skill base that you can start to nurture and create and take to the next level. So I'm gonna go through each of those in turn and give you the headlines of each. Hopefully it'll be thought provoking. Let's start then with goal clarity, because before you even begin to think about influencing anybody else, you need to know what you want and you need to be clear about what is needed from the other person um, in your view. Because if you're not clear about what you want to achieve, Um, How on earth can you expect other people to understand what you're wanting and what you're aiming to achieve and help you deliver it? So it starts with you really getting clear on that. And so many people just, you know, rush into conversations or meetings or pictures or whatever it is, and they haven't fully articulated in their own minds what it is they want to get or say or achieve or do. So just taking a bit of time to get clear in your own mind first before you start to express it is really great. And you can do that by bouncing it around with other people, of course, and you know thinking out loud, but you do need to get clear. And articulate the target outcomes that you're after. 
And if you haven't done this, if you've got an innovation project in your mind that you're thinking about and you, you might be about to launch it or maybe you know, you're partway through and you're finding it hard going, just stop now and think about what is it you really want? You know, What is that specific thing? So here's an example. I want to raise some money to launch and sustain sales of a new product as outlined in the business plan. If you're asking for funding, how much? What are you going to do with it? Why do you need it? Where are you going to spend it? What would you think the return is likely to be? And those things. So get really, really clear and also be clear on what you want the other person to do as a result because we also need to think through who we need to influence to make our innovation succeed and what actions we need them to take to support us. And a really neat thing to do is to grab a piece of paper, just draw a a box and then draw a cross in the middle of the box, a vertical cross, and do two axes. So on one axis, put the importance of support from low to high. And on the vertical axis, put the level of support from low to high. And plot on those axes where you think the key people are in relation to your innovation. So, for instance, somebody might be very, very supportive and have a high level of support, but their actual importance of support might be low. So that's okay. That's not a bad thing. But you might also find that you've got some people who you really need to support you. And that's a high importance of support, but the level of support is actually low or medium. So then you can be thinking, what do you need to do to move them along and get the level of support up to where you need it to be? And think about names and roles and people, you know, real people. Think about them like that rather than just organisations and add in the actions that you want them to take. You know, be really clear on what is the support that you need from the people that you need it and map out where they are. And it is so great just to be able to step back and see visually where all your key stakeholders are and what it is you you need them to do so that then you can start to work out your influencing strategy to move that along and make sure you're getting the support that you need. So you've got goal clarity, you know why you're innovating and what it is you're aiming to achieve. You know who you need to engage from a support point of view and what you'd like them to do. Now it's about making the case for change. So make sure your investment case stacks up so logically commercially analytically you know it's all got to hang in together so there might be things like revenue generation or cost saving or an unmet customer need or a a bigger purpose objective but the first thing to do and again you can jot some notes down before you go out and start to talk to people about the opportunity is to define it what is the opportunity that your innovation will bring What competition is there or what else is available? What alternatives are there? What does your innovation bring that the other alternatives don't offer? And how attractive is it a space to play in? How well does your innovation fit with the wider business plan and portfolio, especially if you're part of a corporate organisation? How does it align to the corporate objectives? What skills do you need? What people, what team members on board? and how you're going to stage your innovation, how you're going to implement it, what are the risks, and so on. So think about all of these things and make sure that the commercial case for change stacks up. And I've got lots more resources on how to create a commercial case for change. And if you have a look at my Big Bang Partnership YouTube channel, there are some videos there. And also on the Big Bang website, on the blog, there are some information for free 
on how to create an investment case for your innovation. And as well as it logically stacking up, it needs to be engaging and it needs to be motivating. And as Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what we do, they buy why we do it. And if we only talk about the how and the what of our innovation, that's great, that's the logical bit. But we also need to communicate the why, the deeper purpose, the more exciting things that the innovation is going to achieve and get people really positive about it and feeling great and and excited by what the innovation is. That engages a different part of the brain, uh, the limbic brain, not just the rational part of the brain. So we need to do both. We need to do both. We need to cover both bases. So as well as it's stacking up commercially, make sure that it's inspiring and motivating for people to get on board with as well. And then think about what strategic moves you're going to make and that you need to make to get all those people on board and understanding the commercial opportunity as well as the greater purpose behind your innovation. You know who's where, you know what the goal is. It's about actually creating a plan and I think probably a person by person plan to sit down and have great conversations with the right people. Find common ground when you're doing that. You know, This isn't about just you wanting to do your thing and and broadcast and impose your thing on other people. It's about you sharing your ideas and your great thing, but also understanding what they're looking to get out of things as well. What are their objectives? What's their strategy about? What's their vision? How can your innovation help them get to where they need to get to as well? How does it help them achieve their objectives? So really, when you're in conversation with your stakeholders for your innovation, find that common ground, find that space where even though you might be from very different places or backgrounds or organisations, where that space intersects and you can connect together and you can find that space which you can both work on together. So You've identified your stakeholders, you've found common ground, and now you're working through the innovation process. The one thread that goes through absolutely everything from having the idea in the beginning all the way through to getting your idea successfully commercialised is the thread of emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence is so key. It's a fundamental underpinning leadership skill, full stop and it matters just as much um, when you're innovating. You know, we need to be very emotionally intelligent to to bring people along with us, but also understand where we are um, in our own thinking about the innovation too. And this starts with being aware of how you're feeling about your own emotions, deciding whether that helps you or is hindering you. So you might be feeling very frustrated if things aren't moving as well as you'd like them to, or maybe super excited about it. You know, maybe the excitement needs to get reined in or the frustration needs to get knocked back so that you can see clearly. Sometimes it can actually help, those things can help push you forward. So judge that, but manage your own emotions and that helps you be aware of where other people are as well. So you'll be able to better tune in with the emotions of others, empathise with them and positively influence them as well. And I find it's really helpful, you know, sometimes just to check in with yourself work out what's going on, decide if you're in a useful place or not a useful place, make a decision and move forward. Other things to weave in to your influencing approach, and you're probably doing this 
already intuitively are the six universal principles of influencing and they sound very grand don't they but if you want to read more about this read Cialdini's books on influencing um, because they're very very practical as well as being you know well supported and there are six things that we can do essentially that make people more likely to listen to us and to uh, take our ideas on board and I'll whiz through these the first one is reciprocity And all that means that when we do something to help other people, then they feel more inclined to do something positive back for us. So essentially, a key thing of influencing is if we're generally helpful and supportive and genuine and positive, then people are more likely to be the same back. I'm sure you're doing that already, yeah? But it does actually help you with your influencing. Another one of the six universal principles of influencing is social proof. So when people are unsure, what they'll do is they'll follow the lead of people who they perceive to be similar to them, but who they think, you know, might know a bit better or have a bit more experience. So that's why sites like TripAdvisor do so well, because we're looking to stay in a hotel or go on that holiday and we're not sure about it. So we'll read the reviews. Yeah, people who are like us have actually experienced that, what do they think? So you can use social proof in your influencing for your innovation. You can show where this has been done before in a similar environment or with a respected team or something like that. Scarcity is the third of the universal principles. And essentially human nature is that we want more of the things we can have less of. So what you can do is you can bring people on board, you can make things exclusive and special, you can treat every individual because they are, you know, that every individual is special, so you can make that really clear and that this is an exciting, you know, one-off great opportunity to be involved in this really special innovation project. Universal principle number six is authority. So again, when unsure, people defer to experts. If you're looking for, you know, makeup tips, then probably I'm not the best person to come to, but you might probably watch one of the Kardashians. I don't know. But that's a form of authority, you know, that somebody's an expert and we're not sure. So what you can do in your innovation and in your influencing is get some authority figures on board supporting and endorsing the plans that you're proposing, the ideas that you've got. And then we're into universal principle number five, which is consistency where things are consistent with somebody's values and ethics and you know approaches then people will likely support you too and of course people like those people who they think like them so finding the good you know looking for the positive building those positive relationships will go a long way into uh, helping you to influence so they're easy you're doing them already maybe just dial them up We've talked about all sorts of things. We've talked about goal clarity, um, people clarity, knowing who you need to influence and what you need to ask them to do to achieve that goal. We've talked about the case for change, both commercially and something that's motivational and exciting and interesting and using your emotional intelligence and those six universal principles of influencing. And all the while, do that building trust. And if you understand trust, You can find where trust might not be as strong as you'd like it to be on either side, or you can also understand why relationships in business succeed too. So the trust equation is something which describes the different components of trustworthiness created by David Meister. And I love this because when you think about any relationship where 
you feel, oh, I don't think he trusts me or she trusts me as much as I'd like them to, or I don't really trust him or her, you can work out what it is that's off and start to do something to fix it. So trustworthiness, the equation is that credibility, which is you know, experience, demonstrating expertise and knowledge and you know, that you can do the job, um, plus reliability, which is following up on promises, making sure you do what you say you're going to do, and also that you're there when times get tough, plus intimacy, which is openness, being you know, somebody being themselves, not trying to be anything they're not, um, all divided by self-orientation. So self-orientation means um, how much I'm interested in me versus how much I'm interested in you getting what you want. All of those factors are part of the trust equation. By itemising those, we can work out where things are strong or not going so well. So self-orientation, for instance, it's great to be in the middle. So for me to know what I want and why and be able to communicate that and ask for that. But also, I need to be just as interested in what you're asking for and what you need and why and want you to achieve that as well. That's the great place to be. Only being in it for for yourself or only being in it to please other people. No, they're at either ends of the continuum and neither of those work. And when you think about it, when you're innovating, you're doing something that's not been done that way before and you're asking people to trust in you. So with trustworthiness, you know, make sure that you're credible, make sure you've done your homework, make sure you follow through on commitments and that your track record is great. Make sure that you're being, you know, yourself, you're not trying to be anybody you're not, and that it's not all about you, but also it's about the people that you're working with and for and for the broader business. So there's lots there, isn't there? There's lots to this influencing business and also having as part of that balanced self-orientation versus being interested in in your customer, suppliers, colleagues, whoever it is you're influencing, stakeholders. It's making sure that you're being direct and using the right blend of push influencing styles, that's what we call them, where you're expressing your views and opinions, being open about what you're looking for, being really clear, setting out expectations, and you're pulling, you're doing pull influencing too, where you're listening, you're asking questions and really taking the other person's views on board and and needs on board. You're building those common objectives, you're finding that shared space, you're connecting on a personal level as well as on the business level. Remember that openness and intimacy. It's about not being too much of a people pleaser and not being too, you know, solely dedicated to getting what you want at any cost. It's about occupying and working in that space in the middle to get the best of both worlds. And then, of course, when you're influencing, especially in groups as well as with individuals, everybody's got different preferences. Some people like, you know, lots of data. Other people are belief driven and make decisions based on intuition. Some people like visuals. Other people like detail and spreadsheets. Some people like to just have the big picture, whereas others want to know exactly what's going to happen when. Some people are future facing. Some people want to know how this is going to affect know what's gone before and will what's gone before be preserved and all of those things. Some people like to think out loud and are quite extrovert and get their energy from discussion, whereas others need space and time to reflect. So you've got this whole sort of combination, multiple combinations of different preferences. 
So when you're influencing, it's about being ready to cover and have some of that in there for everybody. So as well as showing what the big picture is, have the detail available, maybe as backup information or as, a, as an appendix or something, if you're using a written document or when you're presenting. If you're pitching for something, you can use different visuals and different, you know, different modes within the presentation itself. Think about different preferences and use those and don't always work to your own preference. We've got to be really flexible about um, working out what works best for the people that we're working with, our audience, and, and getting really flexible for that as well. So yeah, lots there, loads of free resources. Go to bigbangpartnership.co.uk, idea time blog with little dashes in between idea and time. There's lots of free things there for you, including an influencing plan that you can download as well. Let me know if there's anything else to do with innovation that you'd like me to cover. And as I've said, there's lots more on influencing for free on the website, on the YouTube channel as well, Big Bang Partnership. So I'll be back next week. In the meantime, have a good one and happy influencing. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.